Hello everybody, welcome to episode 2 of I Do Games Now. My name is Rich and I'm here to talk about games to you. That's what we do here. I'm going to start the show by not talking about games to you. Sorry. Um, this is the Wednesday show, which is actually recording on a Wednesday and is probably going to be broadcast on a Wednesday, which I'm actually quite pleased about. So that's got us moving along a bit better than the Tuesday show, which was supposed to be the Monday show. See, things improve over time. We just need to learn and move on from our mistakes, which is to do our show in the blistering heat with the window closed instead of not doing it because there's banging going on outside. Yes, I'm melting in here. It's a thousand degrees and I might die during this podcast, so we'll see how it goes. Um, as I say, I, I'm not going to talk about gaming, first of all. I will get to gaming. Believe me, it, it, it's coming. Uh, there's just a couple of sort of housekeeping things I, I wanted to talk about during this bit of the show. While I've got your attention, please. Um, those of you who follow me on social media, and you can, you know, uh, might be aware that I've recently basically tw quit Twitter because it's an evil cesspool of outrage, hate and ignorance. That's basically it. Yeah, nothing good comes of Twitter. And I encourage everybody else to leave Twitter. But one of the things that's come about since I've done that, apart from just generally being in a better mood and feeling happier about myself, the world in general, and my fellow man, is I've, I've started using other social networks a little bit more. See, I, I have this situation that in terms of social networking, I'm not like a normal person. I'm a person with an audience that is trying to grow that audience. And so it's important to me to be on social networking, even if I'm not using it for personal reasons and that sort of thing. That's why I opened up that other Twitter account at I Do Games Now, so I can just have things posted to Twitter without me actually having to go there and use it and be part of that, that horrible so-called community. Uh, of course, I'm not talking about you. That's that's fine. Uh, but as I'm saying, that that's causing me to use other social networks, which I'm actually feeling a lot happier with as it is. And the two that I've, I've sort of settled on, uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, in Instagram, I, I've always enjoyed uh, because it's the, the fact that you have to publish a photo, I, I think, gives people cause to think a little bit more about when and what they post. Um, and it's generally happy stuff. You know, even if it's somebody's lunch, it's not upsetting, you know, um, and, and Facebook can be a similar thing. I have a private Facebook account that I use for personal Facebooking, which is just people I actually know in real life. So that's fine. And my, my Facebook page is, well, I don't really post anything on it to catch any shit yet. Um, and I, I wasn't planning on doing so. I know that inevitably something will come up because something always does. But generally, I find that the quality of conversation and, and the people that follow me on Facebook are, are of I get more out of it as a user than I ever did with anyone on Twitter. Now, the reason I'm mentioning any of this at all is because I just need a little bit of guidance from you guys, a little bit of feedback, because I'm you know, kind of just doing this in the dark and, and hoping I don't do anything that enrages anybody. Um, so, I mean, first of all, I'm interested to know a couple of things. I just, like I say, I need some feedback. So I'm interested to know, is the Twitter thing okay? Because I'm first of all, I'm not coming back to it. I've deleted my tech support, Rich account. It is gone. Um, it's, it's, I've had enough. So that's fine. So I'm sure you're all okay with that. Um, 
there's a lot of cross-posting stuff that goes on between Facebook and Instagram. And that's what I'm unsure about because I don't want to absolutely pummel people with the same little 30-second video over and over and that sort of thing. I, I want to post appropriate content on each appropriate social network. So are we okay with cross-posting stuff? Or should I keep just Instagram stuff to Instagram and Facebook stuff to Facebook stuff? And what counts as each thing? I honestly don't know. So I'm I'm open up for discussion on this one. Um, I will put a thing on my Facebook page, which you can reach through techsupportreach.com, where we can discuss this. Because I'd, I'd like to know more. Like I say, I'm working in the dark here. And it, it'd be good to, to get some feedback. So... I thought this would be an appropriate place to just ask you, seeing as you're all listening to me right now. Um, so thank you for putting up with a little non-gamey thing. Uh, and I'll move on to gaming stuff now, I promise. So I sit chomping at the bit for this new computer. It's driving me nuts. I'm looking at the status update of my order over and over again. Emma said this would be the longest week of my life, and she's absolutely right. I can't believe it's only Wednesday. I can't believe there's a whole Thursday, Friday, and then probably Saturday, Sunday, and then at some point on Monday, computer. Probably not in the morning. It's not even coming here. It's not coming to my house. It's coming to uh, my mum's house, my parents' house, and I have to go and get it kind of thinking I'm going to talk them into coming to, to bring it to me with a whole like well you would like to see me set it up and, and all of that you'd like to see how it runs and I can't do that at your house so you should bring it over to mine and I can set it up and save me the journey but I'm now officially into it it's happening I bought a headset today I'm so excited just just a headset uh oh and I've uh, absolutely attacked the steam sale which ends today um now i had planned as i was planning this show out and writing in on each day what i thought i'd do things like game pickups for the week seem to be a friday thing really it, there's no point in doing that on wednesday however it is the last day of the steam sale you've got until tomorrow so there's a good chance that you'll actually hear this uh before the thing is over and if you if you, you you'll have one last chance to jump on something especially if i get this show out right after i finish recording it so i thought just this week um what i do is just tell you some of the things i've bought in the steam sale and you might want to jump on something uh you might wonder what the hell i'm pissing my money away on which is fair enough but nevertheless this is what i've done uh i finally bought the witcher 3 wild hunt 1399 what do you want for that that's amazing I'm scared. You may have heard me discuss on Simply Syndicated Gaming News with my friend Mike, who has been playing this game for a number of weeks now. Exclusively this game for a number of weeks. It's apparently quite Moorish, to say the least. Uh, and it's, I think it was like 50-60% off. Something like that. It's It doubles in price tomorrow. So I thought this is probably the best time to jump on it. And go for that. Um, moving on. Ultimate General Civil War. Which I have absolutely no knowledge about. Whatsoever. It seemed to have. Um, 
positive reviews on the store page. He says going to look at the store page to make sure that it does. Yeah, recent reviews, mostly positive. All reviews, very positive. And so what this is, is I am a fan of real-time strategy and that sort of thing. It's that kind of game that I specifically wanted to get back into playing on the PC. And I've seen Ken Burns' The Civil War 200 times. So part of me thinks, well, I could win The Civil War single-handedly. And this seems to be a game that has offered me that challenge. And it's 65% off. I kind of figured, ah, screw it, let's just get it. I see one friend of mine wants this game. Oh, Jonathan, right. Well, I've got it now. It's 65% off. It just struck me as the kind of game that I'll get it when it's eight quid, but when it's 22 99 probably not. So I jumped on that. Uh, I'll let you know. <laughs> I'll let you know, because I don't... I This is the trouble with the Steam sale. That you'll do... Oh, 65% off. Well, probably that's cheap then. I'll get that. Age of Empires 3 Complete Collection, again, another 1,000% off or something like that, and that was a game that I was not going to pay 14.99 for again. Uh, Age of Empires 3, the best of the three, because it was the most complete and up-to-date and modern, that sort of thing. I have yet to try the, what is it, the Ultimate Edition Deluxe remake thing that uh, Microsoft had done with Age of Empires 1, um, I'm waiting till the thing actually, the PC actually arrives to start going into Microsoft store, uh, and that sort of thing. So I, I will, you know, I'm looking forward to a bit of age of empires. Like I said, real time strategy, uh, and age of empires was always just the best one. Everything else was a pale imitation. It really was. Uh, I also got myself far cry three blood dragon because it was really cheap and I've heard things about it that i might enjoy it i don't know enough about it to actually say anything further but like three quid or something who cares uh just cause three uh actually the game that i first bought with my playstation 4 but i wanted to basically uh it again it was three quid and i saw a video on youtube of the graphics card that i've got running it and realized oh right my playstation 4 is a toy i see and so i thought for three quid i'd pick this one up and just see how it runs and play it away because I, I never actually finished it on the ps4 to be honest i thought i'd streamed i thought i'd uh, traded it in for something and then last week my dad just turned up with it and went, that's yours i've had it for a year and a half okay uh then we sort of get into some little oh i always wanted a pc that could run that and it just never came about. So we have Star Wars Rebel Assault 1 and 2, um, which was, you know, I think that came out in 1990. I've got 1993 in my head uh, for some reason. Yeah, 1993. Uh, and at the time, I didn't have a PC that could run it. And it was one of those games that I wanted to play it. And then it kind of went away and I moved off PC gaming and such and such. So it's like a 25-year-old game that I ended up buying for a pound or something. Uh, X-Wing versus TIE Fighter, because it's awesome and you know it is, uh, that would have run on anything because it's a million years old. I also took the opportunity to jump on Tropico 5. I am a fan of the Tropico games, like SimCity, but a bit more dictatorish. It sort of feeds into my own personal fantasies of uh, world domination and that kind of thing. So as a game, it's pretty good. I, I also enjoy the soundtrack, which is, you know, unrivaled. 
and and the reason why Apple Music thinks I exclusively want to listen to Samba and Calypso music, which is not true, just in the summer. Um, And finally, just two more, not finally at all then, arguably, uh, Crisis, because you've got to see if your PC can run Crisis. I'm hoping it can at this point, but who knows? And it's one of those, this was always the thing back in the day. When did, let's see, let me just go to the Crisis Store page. Came out in 2007, so it's 11 years old. Uh, it, it was one of those games that when you did your PC set gaming setup, it was like, but can it run Crisis? And the answer was always no, no. Uh, and so I'm hoping now it can. And again, when it's three quid, who cares if it can or not? Uh, and finally, actually, finally, I, I picked up Beyond Good and Evil because it's something I know nothing of. I don't even know what kind of game it is, to be perfectly honest with you. I've never looked into it, but I have seen all the hype for Beyond Good and Evil 2. Obviously, if you watch, you know, things Ubisoft have to say at E3, that's going to become clear to you. And so when Beyond Good and Evil's like, again, £2 something, I'll pick it up on PC and give it a go. I kind of wanted the X, the not Xbox version, the GameCube version, but that's 20 quid. So this seemed a lot better. So that's what I've picked up during this year's Steam summer sale. There'll be other Steam sales, and I'll probably be looking forward to them a lot more. Um, I'm, I'm starting to wonder now if this sale starting actually was a factor in deciding to get a PC, uh, in which case, damn you more, Steam. Damn you more. This isn't about the Twitch kind of game streaming, it's about the PlayStation Now kind of game streaming. Apparently it's all we're going to be doing before too long. Can't say I'm excited. The idea is that rather than buy a game console or PC and a game and then run that game on your console or PC, you'll subscribe to a game streaming service that runs the games for you in the cloud and streams them to your television or other video playing device. Essentially, you're renting the use of a gaming PC, which streams its video output to you over the internet instead of a monitor. On the surface, it sounds like a brilliant idea. You could play all your games in PC quality on any device that can stream video. All your games would be available to you on every device, and you'd be able to buy a dedicated streaming device for far less money than an Xbox One X. Unfortunately, the list of problems is a lot longer than the list of benefits. The game streaming concept was pioneered by a company called OnLive back in 2003. The company closed in 2015, but the idea was carried on by companies like Sony and Nvidia, and soon EA. I remember being so very excited about OnLive. The dream of playing PC-quality games on my iPod Touch was going to come true. Except it didn't. I couldn't really buy any games. I could only pay for the ability to use those games on the system. It's really no different to how we buy digital movies, and I accept that there's an argument to be made about this being no different to buying games digitally. You never own them, you just have a license to play them as long as Sony keep their services going. While I hate the idea of never owning games, I'm much more amenable to the idea of a monthly subscription rather than pretending to buy games at the same price or higher than the physical versions. OnLive had the problem of input lag. When you press a button on your controller, it takes a very small amount of time for the signal from that button press to reach your console. 
Wireless controllers technically have more lag than wired controllers, but I believe it to be so small a difference, it's imperceptible to most gamers. Some would argue differently, but they're the same people that spend £20 a metre on gold-plated speaker cables. When you're streaming a game, the input lag is far worse, because it's going over the internet, which is always going to be much slower. If you have a wired controller that has a one millisecond input lag, I have actually no idea what lag controllers have, uh, that means it takes one millisecond for that button press to make its way down the wire to your console. If you're playing on a streaming box, once that signal reaches your console, then it has to travel across the internet to the server running your game. That's always going to be slower, because there's an unavoidable extra step. Consequently, even fans of PlayStation Now say that they don't use it for fast-paced action games. Whoever wants streaming games to become the norm needs to understand that there's nothing they can do to fix this problem. While the input lag will technically always be slower than a local connection, I expect it's theoretically possible to get it down to a level that it's no longer a problem. But that problem can't be solved by the people streaming games, or the people who make the games. It's the domain of the internet service providers. Sony can have all the servers they like, running at breakneck speed, but they can't make my internet connection faster. Only BT can do that, and I don't get the impression they're in much of a rush. The CEO of Ubisoft can wish for streaming games to be the future all he likes. It doesn't change the fact that my internet connection isn't fast enough to do it well, and isn't likely to become so anytime soon. As far as the UK average goes, I have an average internet connection, but it's the best money can buy where I live. What about people with a worse connection than me? Are they to be cut out with console gaming for years? Another internet-related problem is speed. You need a low-latency connection to deal with the input lag problem, and you need a fast and constant connection to get high-resolution video. My connection comes out around 30 megabits a second in a speed test. It's plenty fast enough for us to enjoy video streaming services in full 1080p, with video starting almost instantly. In contrast to that, PlayStation now struggled to deliver a stable 720p image. That's because I'm not really streaming a video in the same way as I do when I'm watching Netflix. When I start watching a Netflix movie, my PlayStation starts to download the file of the movie. Before it starts playing, it downloads enough of the movie to allow it to download the rest of the movie in less time than it takes to watch. That buffering time is down to practically nothing these days. The reason why the Netflix app can do that is because the movie is already there to be downloaded, and all the Netflix viewers can watch the same file. If you started watching a movie, it's a safe bet that you'll want to watch all of it, so Netflix can go ahead and download it for you ahead of time. Game streaming services can't do any of that. You might be just streaming video of your gameplay, but that gameplay doesn't exist until you create it. Nothing can be downloaded before it's needed, because it doesn't exist until it's needed. Also, each stream is unique. You can't just bung an MP4 file up on an Amazon S3 server. You need dedicated machines creating each stream on the fly. Because you can't buffer, you really start to see the limitations of that previously adequate internet connection. It doesn't run at full speed constantly, and it can be affected by something as simple as somebody checking their email using your connection. That's why PlayStation Now could only manage 720p. How is that supposed to make me reject the PlayStation Pro that can run games at 4K? The chances of this article being read by someone who has an internet connection fast enough to run PlayStation Now well are low, but definitely there.
the chances of a reader having a connection good enough to allow a streaming service to rival a PlayStation Pro are pretty much non-existent. It's just one guy. Hi, Brian. It's also worth noting that even if you have a brilliant internet connection, you only have that at home. How's your phone internet connection? That's the one you're going to be streaming games on when you're out and about. Is it fast and stable? If it is, every phone company in the world would like to know how you managed it. So far, all of these problems are gamer problems. How would a world of game streaming affect Sony, Microsoft and Nintendo? I can only speculate, but I can't see how it's better for them. Let's suppose that the PlayStation 6 costs $39.99 with a $12.99 monthly subscription. There's no option for playing physical games. It's streaming all the way. How is that better for Sony than selling me a console for £300? They can cut the price of R&D. Making a box capable of streaming internet video is a solved problem. Every tech company has a box that can do that. That opens up the market to everyone. As I write this, there are more rumours of Google entering the home gaming market. If they were talking about making a console to compete with any of the big three, I'd laugh at their chances. But their rumours are about a cheap game streaming device. Google already know how to sell me a cheap streaming device. In fact, they're much better at it than Sony are. Does Sony really want to open themselves up to that level of competition? If games are just PC games running on a server... What does it matter whose box I'm using to stream them? All of this leads us to the only group of people that benefit from the mass uptake of game streaming. Big game publishers. While we're talking about console manufacturers opening up themselves to competition from other hardware makers, we need to also talk about the competition from game makers. At the moment, game companies are beholden to the console makers. They need to make their games run on Sony and Microsoft's consoles, and they're bound by the limitations and rules those companies put on them. Let's imagine that we're Ubisoft and we're working on the next Assassin's Creed game. We start by making the PC version, then we make the console versions by chipping away at the PC game as necessary, until we have something that can run well on a console, or at least be put on a disc and sold to console owners. We are Ubisoft, remember. Porting a game to other platforms takes time, effort, and money. Wouldn't it just be better for us if we could just make the PC version and then just have all the streaming services run the same version? Here's a better idea. How about we don't let the other streaming services have it at all, and we just make it available on UbiStream, the new streaming service we're able to run ourselves now, because we don't need dedicated hardware to run our games. If the PC version of our game can be streamed to any set-top box that can run an app, why don't we just make an app and cut Sony and Microsoft out of the equation altogether? At E3, EA announced that they were working on their own streaming service. Don't think for a second that every game publisher isn't doing that. If EA can stream a game to whatever your choice of set-top box is, and keep all the money you spend for themselves, what on earth do they need Sony and Microsoft for? Surely that's the end game for EA. Eliminate the need for consoles. Lots of game publishers have their own game store for the PC. Now all they need is the same thing for consoles and they'll be all set. But let's not forget all the small independent developers. It's okay if you're EA and can afford to run your own streaming service, but what if you're the guy that made Axiom Verge? What will happen to them if the only way your console can run games is to stream them over the internet? Do you think EA will let them be on their service? Or do you think that EA will laugh when they see competition from indie developers go away forever? So that's who benefits from game streaming. 
the AAA software publishers. Not gamers, not the console makers, and not indie developers. We're potentially entering a period of paying for multiple game streaming services and never owning a game. I'd prefer that gaming didn't go that way, and I'm sure I'm not alone. Okay, so that's my show for today. Thank you for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed it and uh, agree with me on everything I passed an opinion on. Uh, don't forget, you can go over to simplysyndicated.com slash everything and sign up there to get ad-free versions of this show and every show we make on Simply Syndicated, uh, along with gaming news and the random access memories, which I'm preparing for season two of, and, and movie news and anything else that comes out. It's all ad-free on Simply Everything, as well as the entire back catalogue of simply syndicated content going back sort of 13 years to when we made jokes that were really inappropriate now. Uh, we also have Patreon over at patreon.com slash simply syndicated. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at I do games now if you really want to. Again, like I said, I'm not tweeting anything really. It's all auto posts. But I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram if you want links to those. You'll find everything on my website at techsupportrich.com where you'll also find my YouTube videos and game reviews and other podcasts, all kinds of stuff, really. But it's all gaming related because you know what? I do games now. Until Friday, when I have to now think of something else to talk about because I've done all my game purchases this today, uh, we'll see you then. Take care. Bye-bye.